what's something that happens every four years? You know, the first thing that might have come to mind for you this morning is that we have a presidential election. No, that's not what I came here to talk about this morning. How about this? Every four years, we also have something else. It's a leap year. We have an extra day. That's not what I came here to talk about this morning. So what's something that happens every four years? How about this? The Olympics. You're probably thinking, we're well, not going to talk about the presidential elections and leap years? He chose to talk about the Olympics? Yes. I'm going to talk about the Olympics this morning. How many of you enjoy watching the Olympics? Any Olympic people in here? Y'all enjoy watching the Olympics? Okay. Well, you know, think about that this morning. You got figure skating, swimming, uh, gymnastics, um, but then you've got track and field. And so this morning, as I mentioned to you probably a a while back, there would be an occasional series that I was going to do called a visual series. Do y'all remember the message I did a while back that it contained, it was the marbles, about losing your marbles, and I, and I use that illustration. Well, this is another message in that series. And it's a message that I heard at Catalyst, a conference for leaders in Atlanta, by a lady named Christine Kane. And actually, it was in October of 2012. So believe it or not, coming up very soon... That'll hit the 10-year mark. That I heard this message 10 years ago, and it so profoundly impacted me that I think of it often. And so I'm sharing, I'm sharing that this morning. I'm sharing portions of that this morning to, to hopefully so that you can catch that as well. That the Spirit will remind you of what Christine reminded me of that day about what we're to be doing. And so she talked, and she got up that, that morning Uh, and she was giving her talk, she was uh, sharing the message, she said that, you know, for her, she is an Australian. And so it was, she really enjoys uh, the Olympics, and it was the first time watching the Olympics as an American in the United States. And she began to share a story about um, the women's 4x100 relay team. Now, now here's the thing about the women's 4x100 relay team. In the year 2000, they were the fastest team, but there was a sloppy exchange. In 2004, they should have won because they had won the last nine out of 16 uh, races prior to the year 2000. And then this happened in 2008. So I want to show you the clip, and as you watch the clip, the green grass in the middle, the center of the field, that's where the American is. This is what happened in 2008. In an eight. And that is the gun for this opening heat in the women's four by one hundred relay. Angela Williams running the lead off leg for the U.S. She'll hand to Michelle Lewis. A lot of turn there to run for Angela Williams, but Michelle Lewis now has put the U.S. in the front with a great run down the back stretch. What a leg by Michelle Lewis. He's flying and hands after a little difficulty to Tori Edwards. Wasn't the greatest of passes, but Tori Edwards can run this turn. The USA in the driver's seat. Lauren Williams will run the anchor. And there's Lauren Williams. Drops the baton. Drops the baton. And the British and uh, Belgium are coming away. And it's Belgium that's going to win it with Great Britain in second place. I cannot recall the last time that the U.S. has dropped the stick, both men and women, in an Olympic game. All right. 
she dropped the baton. First and foremost, as you saw, those ladies were fast. Amen. I mean, I was just amazed, and thank God for Google, because I remember the story, but I went and I found that clip. And so listen, they dropped the baton. All they had to do was finish, and they would have gotten a medal. And listen, it didn't matter how much training, how much dieting, how much discipline they had. It all came down to 1.9 seconds in a 20-meter exchange zone. Here's the thing. They dropped the baton. And so as I share this message with you today, I came home, and as I began to think a few years ago, and it so profoundly impacted me that I went on Amazon and I bought a baton that I keep in my office. And people come in, they say, you used to run track? I'm thinking, look at me. No, I didn't run track. But what? It's a visual reminder. It's an opportunity for me to tell a story. Amen. Just like those marbles are a representation of a a year, or sorry, a week that you have in your child's life. This baton is important to us in Christendom. Because here's why. For 12 years, they had the fastest team and should have won. It didn't matter how fast any one individual was running, how good they were, how efficient they were. It all came down to the exchange zone. So here's the thing, guys. In 2022, in July of 2022, we are living in a pivotal time. Listen, the way we carry the baton of faith will determine the future of the church. The way we, we carry the baton of faith will determine the future of the church. Will we hand off too late and be disqualified? Will we drop it in the exchange zone? Friends, we have a race to run. The, the baton of faith, we must pass it from one generation to the next. And it's about running in our lane and running our race. Let's look at what Paul has to say about running our race. Take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, as you turn there. You'll go past First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, and James. So Hebrews is sandwiched between Philemon and James. As you're turning there this morning, a way of reminder, as we're thinking about running our race, as we're thinking about passing the baton, what's beautiful about this entry in chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2, is we have to way of remembrance what happened in chapter 11. What do we see in chapter 11? It is the hall of faith. It's the heroes that came before us. And so let's look together at Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Verse 2, look at this phrase. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so here, let's begin to just look at the text this morning. The writer of Hebrews says, 
there was such a large cloud of witnesses. Such a large cloud of witnesses. In essence, he's metaphorically giving us a great picture of a group of people. He's reminding us again of those people that are mentioned in the hall of faith in chapter 11. And they're surrounding us. Then he calls us, he says, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Friends, you think about it today. We we stand on the shoulders of some giants, giants of faith in, in, in the word of God, but also those precious saints from here at Bethel who gave sacrificially, who prayed unceasing, unceasingly, who, who fought the good fight, who stood up for what is right, who stood on the promises of God. But we have to lay aside every hindrance and every sin. I don't know about you, but we don't have to look far for sin, do we? We don't have to look far for hindrances that keep us from keeping our eyes on Jesus. Then we're told, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. I love verse 2, and actually, as you know, I, I preach and teach from the ESV the English Standard Version, but today this is from the CSB, the Christian Standard Version, or what used to be the HCSB, which would have been in your Sunday school material. The CSB is sometimes as well. But I love what Scripture says, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Friends, it's not the person in the other lane. It's not the people behind us. It's not the church down the street. Our job is to run our race in our lane, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the pioneer. He's the perfecter of our faith. Look at what Scripture tells us. For the joy that lay before him. See, we're, one translation says fixing our eyes on Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Friends, he awaits us at the finish line. It's not the finish line we should have in sight, it's him. He's standing at the finish line waiting for us. It's not just about crossing the finish line. It's about getting to Jesus, amen? He counted it joy so much so that he endured the cross, despising shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Friends, he endured so we could. He endured the cross so that we could endure what we would face here on earth, the trials and tribulations that we would face. Because what does Scripture say? A lot of people think that when they become a Christian, oh, my life is going to be so easy. No, it's not. Honestly, a lot of times it's harder. But the thing is, we need to remember where we're looking. We need to remember the race that we're running. We're not just running to try to beat the guy next to us, the person behind us. We're to keep our eyes on Jesus. He, was the, he should be our motivator. So I ask you this morning, what's motivating you? 
As you run your race, what's motivating you? Is it Jesus? Friends, it's about the baton of faith going forward. It's not about me, not about you, not about my name, not about your name, not about my glory, not about your glory, but his. Now, I want us to look back at an example of a time when the baton wasn't passed so well. Look with me, if you will, back in the Old Testament. Go with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Judges. To to the book of Judges. There in Judges chapter 2, I want to begin reading in verse 7. Judges chapter 2, reading in verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had, been, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at 110 years, and they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath Hares, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. Then we see one of the most sobering verses in all of Scripture. Verse 10. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose a generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. Hmm. We see we're we're talking about just after the death of Joshua. As we think about Joshua, he ran his race well. Verse 9, and they buried him within the boundaries of his, his inheritance. And so I want to remind you this morning of this, that we can't take what we know and what we have seen to the grave. Verse 10, what did it say? There arose a generation. Generations had passed, and they did not know the things that the Lord had done for Israel. Friends, we can't cling to someone else's faith. It must be our own. We must talk about, we must share what the Lord is doing in the here and the now. We can't live... In the glory days. We can't live in the glory days. Here's something Christine Kane said as she shared this particular message. She said, if you do not know how to honor those that came before you, you will forget there are others to come after you. Are we honoring those that have come before us? Don't forget, they're those coming after you. And as we think about this morning about about living in the here and now, has God done great things at Bethel? Oh, by gosh, yes, he has. Bethel's doors are still open, amen? Still able to pay its staff, pay, you know, and, and send money to the cooperative program to help Share the gospel around the world? Yeah, praise the Lord. 
But here's what I want to ask you this morning. What is God doing right now? What is God doing in July of 2022? I tell you what he's doing. There's some conversations that in two weeks we'll baptize two individuals. There's two more that are supposed to be baptized that day, but they're going to be out of town. Praise the Lord. When was the last time that the baptismal was filled? People were taking next steps towards Jesus and into community with other believers. It's an act of obedience. But what's interesting is we think this morning about not living in the past. I love this quote, and you've probably heard me quote it often because it's one of those that's lodged in my heart and mind. Oswald Chambers, he said this. He said, never live on your memories of past experiences, but let the word of God always be living and active in you. What is Jesus doing in your life now? Praise God for what he's done in the past. We're to share our story. That's part of how he gets the glory, amen? He does things in our lives, not just because he has nothing else to do as he sits on his eternal throne, but what he does that so that we will look to him and look to his strength. So what is he doing in the here and now? But, but as we think again about <coughs> verse 10, and there arose a generation that did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. That saddens me. And friends, if we're not careful when it comes to to carrying the baton of faith, we're, we're one generation from being just like this verse in Scripture. And I, and I want to ask you this morning, what happened in the exchange zone? There was an exchange, but... It was dropped. We have to pick up the baton of faith. We have to be running. We have to be moving forward. Because what did we see with that Olympic team? It didn't matter how much practice, how much discipline, how much dieting, how much hard work and effort they put in. I mean, those girls were fast. That one girl came around that corner, she was like, she was gone. They dropped the baton in the exchange zone. Listen, friends, the baton of faith, it doesn't matter what the news says. It doesn't matter what the stock market says. It doesn't matter what the current political debate is. If the big C church has got its focus right, then it should continue to carry the baton of faith to our generation. But I have a word of caution for you this morning. Listen, we have to deal with our own fears, our own doubts, our own insecurities, our own pain, our own shame, our own lust, greed, envy, jealousy. Because if we don't, we'll simply reproduce that in the next generation. Listen, friends, you will reproduce what you are, not what you say. Think on that this morning. You will reproduce what you are, not what you say. We need some people not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. Amen? We need some people that are going to pick up the baton of faith and are going to run their race. Friends, far more is caught 
than taught in the kingdom of God. So instead of allowing Christ to mold us and transform us, we hold on to our baggage and transfer it from one generation to the next. But you know, John says something interesting as he records Jesus and something that we need to be reminded of today. We see it in John 13, 35. And Jesus says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do you have love for your fellow man? Do you have love for your neighbor? As I saw recently in, in a tweet or a Facebook post, you want to know, you want to test Christian you want to test somebody's Christianity? See how they love the Judas in their life. It's not about how big a building the church has, how many programs the church has, how much their offering or their budget is, how many people they send into the mission field. No, it's what? That people will know that we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ by our love for one another. I love what Christine Kane said during that, that speech. She said, I'm not going to allow my own arrogance and opinion to drop the baton. Friends, I want to ask you this morning, what's the main thing? And we need to keep the main thing the main thing. It's Christ and Christ crucified and Christ risen. He's still changing hearts and lives We don't have to toy with the gospel. The gospel is still true. It is still living. It is still active. It is still changing hearts and lives. It's changed some of yours. And if you don't know what else to share, share what God has done in your life and point them back to what he's done. Friends, the world around us, Sumter, our church, our families, they need us to unite. What's interesting is Christine went on to talk. She said and reminded me, and I want to remind you this morning, that we don't want perseverance. As we talked about that today, we talked about what? That we're to run our race with endurance. Hang tight. You got to love technology. So it says reconnecting. There you go. Maybe y'all just needed a a breather. Maybe I needed a breather. All right, it's connected back. Some of y'all are probably thinking, Lord, help that thing not connect so he can say amen and sit down and we'll go home. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, sir. Listen, but we don't want perseverance. As she talked about, I think it's so true today, people say, well, I, I don't want that baton. That's not my love language. That doesn't fit my disc profile or my Enneagram. That doesn't fit my personality. Listen, as she said, and I want to remind you this morning, there is one love language. It's called die. Die to self. Jesus gives us a great picture in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he say? He said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That should be our prayer, amen, that it's the Lord's will that should be done. 
she went on, Christine, I know I'm quoting her a lot, and I give her credit because this was a transformative message for me 10 years ago. So much so that I went out and, and bought this baton, and I keep it as a reminder that there's work to be done, that I've got to continue to run my race. You've got to continue to run your race, church. We've got to continue to run our race. She said, when you realize it's not about you, you submit to the process of God making you who you need to be so that you can do what he has called you to do in this hour. Die to self. As we think about this morning, you can't put the baton in the hand of someone who's not running. And we both have to be running at full speed. Now, some of y'all say, Chris, I can't hardly walk from here to the car. That's all right. It's, 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 a, it's just a picture of what we're supposed to be doing. You are to keep moving. You're to keep moving forward. So am I. Listen, you know what breaks my heart, too, is I've been in churches where they were literally standing still. Somehow or another, they had mixed up the old song, of standing on the promises and instead they were sitting on the premises. They were sitting in the pews. We're to stand on the promises of God, but we're not to just be sitting in the, on the premises. We're not just to fill those pews. I told you in messages past. Part of the problem we have in the church today is this, that people come and they sit and they soak and they sour. They sit, they soak, they sour. And what are we to do? We're to come on a day like today. Some, some of y'all I know don't want to be here. You don't feel good. Something else is going on in your life, but you came anyway. Praise the Lord. And I pray that his spirit spoke something to your heart and mind, reminded you of who he is. But you know, it's not just about us consuming. It's not just about coming to the buffet one day a week. Does that feed you all week long? No, it doesn't. It's about us personally having that relationship with Jesus. And it's about us coming to services like this and learning and growing in the things speaking to our hearts and minds and then taking it and sharing what God is doing, sharing what truth we see in God's Word. And so very quickly in the little bit of time that I have left, I just want to ask you a question. As I thought about how do we apply a message such as this? I began to think, what's happened in the last decade? Since I heard this message, what's happened in the last decade? Well, here we go, real quick. A couple of highlights. You might say, I forgot some things. I probably did. I read a couple of different articles and came up with just a, a hodgepodge list. So here we go. No particular order and no particular emphasis. <clears throat> March 2012, the iPad was released. It was transformative. On December the 12th, 2012, the world was going to end. I don't know if many of y'all remember that. Probably not. You don't remember what you ate for lunch yesterday, much less what happened in 2012. I don't remember what happened in 2012. I had to read that article. But according to the Mayan calendar, it was supposed to be the Mayan apocalypse. And on December the 12th, 2012, we were, the world was going to end. It didn't end, did it? July 2013, after the acquittal of George Zimmerman and the shooting death of Trayvon Martin, the hashtag Black Lives Matter began to make its waves on the Internet. In June 2015, same-sex marriage became legal. In October of 2017, the Me Too movement 
takes off. In March of 2020, some of you may remember that. What happened? All this little old thing called COVID-19 began to shut things down. We began to go through a time in our lives, probably in your lives, unprecedented to where we went through things and people were buying up so much toilet paper you couldn't find any. And I mean, it was just ridiculous. People were hoarding and everything else. June 2022, Roe versus Wade was overturned. So listen, as we think about this, as we think about this generation, we can't go back and change what's happened in the last 10 years. But as we look to 2032, we can change that. Amen? And we can think about that we have a baton of faith that we're to pass. And are we preparing our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, our nieces and our nephews, are we preparing them for the issues that life is going to throw at them, that the world is going to throw at them? They've got to have a solid foundation built on the Word, built on Christ and Christ alone. Because, listen, what else has happened this past 10 years? Social media addiction became a thing. There was an opioid epidemic. People were literally shooting up, and it became okay. And and municipalities set aside benches and parks for people to go and safely shoot up. That's the world we live in. There's a student loan crisis. Life expectancy declined. Privacy issues surfaced. Political division, hate crimes increased, mass shootings, Black Lives Matter movement, rioting and protests, earthquakes, hurricanes, flooding. There are shortages and an unprecedented inflation. Now I want to ask you this morning, what happened in the church globally? Infighting, complacency, fewer baptisms, abuse and scandal. Now let's make it, let's get it a little bit more closer to home. What happened at Bethel? Guys, I want to ask you one question. As humbly as I know how, where are your children? Where are your children? I've had multiple conversations in almost the last 16, 18 months, however long I've been here that many of your children are no longer here. Why is that? I'm not going to answer that question. That's something for you to ponder. But I will ask you this. What happened in the exchange zone? What happened in the exchange zone? As I close this morning, as I was doing my research, read an article from 2021. <clears throat> Listen to this. Because, I mean, that happened 10 years ago. So what's happened in the Olympics since then? I don't keep up with track and field. My wife, my wife loves to watch the gymnasts. So that's all I see whenever the Olympics come around. And figure skating. But the U.S. teams have messed up in, in the exchange zone seven out of the past 11 Olympics and World Championship meets. Since 2005, the teams have either not finished or been disqualified because of a baton exchange failure six times. They have the worst failure rate of any national team in the same time frame. Friends, I want to simply remind you of key things as we leave this morning. 
What happens in the exchange zone matters. How we pass the baton matters. You know, as I shared this, they said, well, you know, Pastor, you're going to stand up and you're going to preach. I was kind of giving somebody a preview. said, you're going to preach this message? And, oh, it's going to be the new pastor comes in and just passing the baton to the younger generation. No, that's not it. Both services, both generations, every generation has to be running at the same pace. Both of y'all. It's not just an either or. It's both of us. There's work for you left to do. There's work for the younger generation left to do. But you, they got to put their hand out, but you got to be willing to extend the baton. So I want to remind you this morning, keep running. Keep running and keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because what happens in the exchange zone matters. You know what? I thought about how was I going to wrap this message up. And I want to introduce you to a young man that I met. His name is John Cook. He was 84 years young. I had the privilege, I had a listening session that I sat down, and Mr. John was one of very few people who filled that out and came and met with me in my office. And we talked through his questionnaire. And at the end, I sat at the feet of this wonderful man who had served with the Child Evangelism Fellowship in Korea from 1959 to 1984. And I simply asked him, I said, Mr. John, what would you tell a young man in the ministry like myself? What would you tell me as I sit at your feet and as we talk today? You know what he told me? And I want to just simply remind you, he since passed on. This was John's quote to me that day. He said, listen, with the time I have left, I want to do all God has for me to do. Friends, be like John Cook. With the time you have left, do all God has to do, has for you to do. He was making an impact all the way to the very end. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you for this message that I heard 10 years ago. Lord, a message and a reminder as a leader in, in, in the body of Christ. Lord, that there is an exchange zone taking place from generation to generation. And Father, I pray that we wouldn't be like what we see in Judges after Joshua had died. Lord, that there wouldn't be a fumble in the exchange zone. Lord, there are people in our families, there are people in this room that are dying and going to hell because they don't know Jesus. And Father, as I, my prayer is this morning that we would continue to run our race, that we would pick up our batons, and that we would run the race that you have set before us, keeping our eyes on you, not the person beside us, not the people behind us, but keeping our eyes on you. The finish line doesn't even matter. You're beyond the finish line. And Father, our prayer, my prayer is this morning that we would take our eyes off of anything else and we would put our eyes solely on you. Father, help us to run the race that you have given us this morning. And I pray, Father, that we would be mindful of how we live our lives. Lord, that we would be willing to extend the, extend the baton, but also be willing to grab it. Father, I pray that this is a serious matter. Lord, how we carry the baton of faith matters for those coming behind us. So, Father, thank you for the ones that have come before us. And Father, I pray for the ones that are here now. 
Lord, I pray that we would continue to remember those that are coming behind us and pour into them what we have learned, what we have seen, what we have heard you do. And Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.